So last week, in the aftermath of that big shooting over at Umpqua Community College in Oregon, President Obama took to the microphones and he started yelling at everybody who didn't agree with his gun control agenda. You remember this. He said that it was only good and right to politicize the Oregon shooting, and he said, quote, This is a political choice that we make to allow this to happen every few months in America. We collectively are answerable to those families who lose their loved ones because of our inaction. I don't know why I'm collectively responsible for a crazy guy shooting a bunch of innocent people, but that's what President Obama said. He also then called for modest gun regulations, and then he didn't specify exactly what modest meant because he doesn't have any modest gun regulations. He just wants to take all of the guns. And as he is a pathological liar, he is unable to actually lay out any sort of gun laws that would stop what it is that he wants to stop. No one really allows mass shootings to happen other than people like President Obama, who doesn't want armed guards and he doesn't want potential victims to protect themselves. In fact, whenever President Obama says more guns don't mean less crime, you sort of wish he would tell it to his Secret Service because obviously he doesn't believe that. But President Obama's real routine is just shouting, do something, whenever something allows him to push his particular agenda. Well, President Obama, while presenting no actual gun agenda, he has implied, again, that he's interested in full-scale gun confiscation, but he's far more interested in demonizing his political opposition, and this is really what it's all about for President Obama, is demonizing his political opposition. The President of the United States is interested only, only, in calling all of the people he opposes bad and morally deficient, saying that everybody is mean-spirited and cruel-hearted, And that's because President Obama is definitionally a jackass. If you level personal accusations without any evidence at all, that makes you a jackass. And President Obama is a jackass, which doesn't mean he's the only jackass. Of course, Hillary Clinton recently said that anybody who opposes Planned Parenthood is part of a terrorist group. And she said that anybody who wants to take illegal immigrants and deport many illegal immigrants wants to use boxcars, you know, like the Nazis to deport millions of people. Joe Biden, the kind and generous Joe Biden in 2012, he said that Republicans wanted to put black people back in chains. Here's the thing. Because leftists are constantly ignoring actual policy prescriptions and, and they're only focusing in on their emotions, their main political play is to call people names. And President Obama has perfected the craft. But the problem is, the big problem is, that it's, it's, it really isn't that President Obama does this with people on on the domestic political stage. The problem is that Obama thinks it works for everyone. Because it works on Republicans, because it gets him elected, Obama thinks that being a jackass works everywhere. And so he uses his jackass tactics on Vladimir Putin, for example. So Putin, the dictator of Russia, he was pushing his advantage in Syria. He's occupying vast swaths of the Middle East. He's working with Iran. The the Iraqi government is now asking Iran and and Syria to work in, in tandem to bomb ISIS on behalf of the state of Iraq, so now Putin is filling the gap that Obama left. What was Obama's response to all of this? He says that Putin went into Syria, quote, out of weakness. I didn't see, after he made that speech in the UN, suddenly the 60-nation coalition that we have start lining up behind him. Iran and Assad make up Mr. Putin's coalition. The rest of the world makes up ours. Okay, this faculty lounge insult nonsense is not going to stop Putin, of course. And I haven't heard anything about Obama's actual coalition. There is no coalition. No one's going to stop Putin. No one's going to stop Assad. No one's going to stop ISIS. This is all stupidity. But Obama is so convinced that by calling his opponents morally bereft or stupid or corrupt, that he's going to win, that he just keeps on trotting out his jackass strategy, and he's using it on people that doesn't matter. You know, it's not going to help. It's one thing to, to go after Mitt Romney with the jackass strategy and hope Americans are stupid enough to buy in. Maybe they are, but Vladimir Putin isn't stupid enough to buy in. 
You think Putin is going to go home at night and cry to his mama and say, oh, God, Barack Obama called me and he said, I don't have a coalition. That's it. I'm pulling out of Syria and Ukraine. Obama acts as though Putin is somehow vulnerable to the kind of emotional blackmail that Republicans constantly fall for and Putin isn't. Now, we here in the United States, we should be smart enough not to fall for Obama's jackassery when it comes to domestic politics. But America becomes very vulnerable when the president only knows how to insult and thinks that people like Vladimir Putin give a damn about his sneering blather. I'm Ben Shapiro, and this is The Ben Shapiro Show. Tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. So President Obama isn't the only one who's spoken politically about gun control, of course. Ben Carson got himself in hot water over the weekend by talking about gun control. The good doctor, according to the Investor's Business Daily poll, is actually now running first. He's now ahead of Donald Trump. That is an outlier poll. He's running at 24% according to that poll. Trump is at 17% in the national polling averages and the real clear politics polling averages. Carson continues to ride at about 17%, and he is benefiting from the fact that he is a political neophyte, and people give him extra credit for that because he's made a number of gaffes. And I still don't understand how in one of the debates he actually suggested openly in front of a crowd that he had told President Obama not to go into Afghanistan. Later, he said that's not really what he meant. He's made a number of mistakes. But what's amazing is that the stuff that the media leap on as his big mistakes, those are not the stuff that really are going to hurt him with any of the Republican electorate. Now, Herman Cain hurt himself with the Republican electorate by saying stupid things that the Republican base found objectionable. Ben Carson isn't going to hurt himself by saying he would never vote for a Muslim for president of the United States or by saying what he said about shootings and gun violence. Here's what Dr. Ben Carson had to say about President Obama and gun violence. Imagine a politician politicizing something. When do we get to the point where we have people who actually want to solve our problems rather than just politicize everything? I think that's what the American people are so sick and tired of. Yeah, but and, uh, and, of course, that's exactly true. It's why Ben Carson's doing so well in the race. His more controversial comments, at least in the media's eyes, came on Hannity on Monday night. And that's when Ben Carson said this. He said, people are used to double talk. They're used to politicians saying whatever is politically expedient. And he said that he wasn't going to, if he had been put in a position where somebody asked him his religion and then threatened to shoot him, he wouldn't have stood still for that. He would have done something about it. And people read that as, a, as an implicit critique of the people who were shot at Umpqua Community College because the shooter, in the part of the story the media don't want to tell you and don't want to talk about, the shooter was going around asking people if, you, if they were Christians. And then if they said yes, apparently he was having them crawl to him and then he was shooting them. Now, it is easy for anybody to say in a difficult, horrific situation, yeah, I would have done differently. The truth is that we all have rather inflated senses of our own bravery and our own abilities when it comes to difficult situations. There have been studies that show, for example, that if people are confronted with a situation where a passerby is being hurt, very few people actually jump into action. We all think that we would, that we'd be the person who went for help or jumped into action. The truth is, few people would. But what Carson said was his own evaluation of the situation. The media is going after him anyway, suggesting that he doesn't have sympathy. And this is what the left does when it comes to gun control. It's all about the level of sympathy. It's all about the level of how, how much you care in your heart. It has nothing to do with what actually would stop this sort of thing. And we, we see this carried out throughout the media with regard to these shootings. There's a Democratic senator recently who came out and he said that Congress was endorsing mass murder. Is Chris Murphy from Connecticut, who's been a big advocate of gun control. He said Monday on MSNBC that Congress is at fault and it's because they have bad intent here is Senator Chris Murphy talking about it. 
odd-looking fellow? Yeah, I've said for a long time that I think that Congress is effectively quietly endorsing these mass murders because uh, people who are having their minds unhinged uh, note that there is no one here in the elected legislative branch of Congress who is getting together to do something about it in a practical way. So I, I think that without yeah. Congress acting here, we're going to see more and more of these mass slaughters, and that's an abomination. This is such stupidity. Okay, what he's actually saying is not that Congress is going to pass policies that stop shooters from going out and doing mass shootings. What he's saying is that crazy shooters like Jared Lee Loeffner or like this guy at Umqua Community College, they're sitting home and they're following the NRA ratings. And that they're seeing, oh, Congress didn't do anything about that last shooting? That means I should go out and do a shooting. That's idiocy, of course. What they're watching, presumably, is politicians like this talk about how college campuses ought to be completely gun-free, and then they know exactly where to go in order to shoot people. I mean, I, I went to a high school that was very heavily guarded because it was located right next to the Simon Wiesenthal Center. I went to a high school called Yeshiva University of Los Angeles, Orthodox Jewish High School, located next to the Holocaust Museum. I was there from 97 to 2000. Well, in 1999, Buford Furrow was a white supremacist, and Buford Furrow decided he wanted to go shoot up the Simon Wiesenthal Center. He drove to the Simon Wiesenthal Center, he looked through the glass doors in the front, and he saw that there were two security guards there. He didn't know they were unarmed, but they looked like they were armed. And so he immediately got back in his car, and he had a rifle. He, went, he got back in his car, and he proceeded to drive away from there, drive another 30 miles, and go to the North Valley Jewish Community Center, where he shot five people and killed a couple of folks. Well, the reason for that is because one place had people with guns, one place had people without guns. But according to the left, the big sin here is that the people at Simon Wiesenthal Center presumably looked like they had guns. It would have been better if they didn't look like they had guns. In any case, as this controversy unfolds, it's always the same controversy over and over. Democrats claiming Republicans don't care. Republicans claiming, rightly, that Democrats don't know what they're talking about. And again, Democrats don't know what they're talking about. The truth is, even if you talk about full-scale gun confiscation, there are certain things the media will not tell you about the efficacy of full-scale gun confiscation. So President Obama, when he was talking about mass shootings. He said, and, and with gun violence generally, and, and these are two separate things, by the way, gun violence and mass shootings are actually two separate issues because mass shootings are sporadic. Mass shootings do not happen all that often, even here in the United States. Gun violence, violence of any sort, is relatively common in any society, and these two problems sort of have to be dealt with a little bit separately. And Australia is a perfect example of that. So Australia hasn't had a mass shooting incident since 2002. And in 2002, they passed laws and they confiscated a million guns. So they haven't had a mass shooting since then, so Obama thinks that this is a great solution to mass shootings. Why does Obama, think about this, why does President Obama only focus in on the lack of mass shootings in Australia rather than on their murder rate? Right? You would assume that if Obama's logic were correct, there would be a mass gun confiscation, one-third of all the guns in Australia confiscated at point of gun by the government. You would imagine that the murder rate would go down significantly, right? The murder rate would drop. Well, there's only one problem. After all of that happened, the murder rate did not go down. The murder rate has gone down extraordinarily mildly. In fact, the murder rate in the United States has gone down more in the same period than it went down in Australia, and the number of guns in the United States has risen dramatically. But President Obama focuses on mass shootings because it's convenient cherry-picking of the evidence. The same thing is true in Great Britain. If you look at the murder rate, the truth is that before mass gun confiscations in 1996 in Great Britain, the murder rate was basically the same or lower than it was after the mass gun confiscations. Because the fact is that societies tend to have a basic murder rate, and that murder rate stays the same regardless of the tool that is used. Most people are not killed in mass shootings. Mass shootings are sporadic. 
So you won't hear any of that evidence. All you will hear about from the left is that if you disagree with them, it must be because you inherently are a bad human being and you could use a little tutelage in being a better human being. Mike Huckabee has been slammed as well because Mike Huckabee, the presidential candidate, former governor of Arkansas, he said that the Oregon shootings were a result of sin and evil. And you use that sort of language in America. That's taboo. The language of religious evil, the religious language with regard to bad human behavior, everything has to be explained by mental illness. Everybody's crazy. Everybody's a nut. Nobody's ever evil. Nobody ever just makes a decision to do something wrong and bad. Nobody ever commits a sin. It's just their inherent desires driving them, which of course relieves you of all human agency, which is of course what the shooters want in the first place, because if they're relieved of agency, then they hold no responsibility for what it is they do. Here's Governor Mike Huckabee saying the right thing, but being targeted as though he's saying the wrong thing. Uh, you know, I think we, we always talk about what the weapon was, but whether it's a pressure cooker or whether it's a gun, we're dealing with people who are either deranged or they're very focused because they want to kill people in the name of, of terrorism. Uh, you know, we have a not so much a gun problem. We have a problem with, with sin and evil. This is an evil thing when people kill another person, and it happens way too often. Yeah. And, and, of course, that's exactly true. What's amazing is that we've changed the standard of crazy in the country as well. The standard of crazy has been completely redefined in the United States. So it used to be that the way that you gauge mental illness, usually in most states, actually, the way that you gauge mental illness for purposes of giving the death penalty or convicting criminally is that the person has to know right from wrong. If you know right from wrong and you go ahead and you do something anyway, even if you have a history of mental illness, we hold you responsible for your actions. We as a society have now gone beyond that. It's pretty clear the Oregon shooter knew that what he was doing was wrong. It's not like he knew what he was doing was right. It wasn't like what he was saying was, I'm doing the right thing here. He knew what he was doing was wrong. He just wanted the attention. But we claim that he's crazy because it's easier to shuffle off evil to the side, to, to kind of shunt it off to the side and pretend that evil doesn't exist. It's not a part of us. We do the same thing with Hitler and Stalin. We do the same thing with the Nazis. We do the same thing with Mao. Anytime there's human evil, instead of us recognizing that not only is it evil, but that normal human beings can actually fall prey to evil, it becomes uncomfortable for us. So we talk about things like mental illness as opposed to, okay, what as a society can we do to inculcate moral values in people more broadly to prevent not just mass shootings, but acts of violence of all sorts? And of course, we won't have those sorts of conversations either. We'll never have those sorts of conversations. Now, I spoke about Ben Carson earlier, who's been gaining in the polls. The left is very upset with Ben Carson, not just about what he said with regard to gun control, but about what, with regard with what he said with Islam. Ben Carson had said with regard to Islam that a Muslim could be president if he or she renounces the tenets of Islam. And what he meant is renounce the tenets of the Islam that most people across the world practice, believing that Sharia law ought to be the law of the land, the tenets of Islam that regard people who are not Muslim as second-class citizens. There's a reason that democracy, small r republicanism, don't flourish in Islamic countries in what can only be described as the stupidest column ever written. Salon.com has a piece by a guy named Qasim Rashid, and it's called Ben Carson Slanders Islam. Here's exactly why his claims about Muslims are dead wrong. In this article, this writer actually claims that Islam, circa its creation, was more pro-woman than the United States in 2015, which makes zero sense. But here's exactly what he says. He says, Far from Dr. Carson's claim that in Islam women are subservient, Islam gave women equal rights in 610 that our own United States hasn't given even in 2015. To this day, America has not passed the Equal Rights Amendment. Meanwhile, the Quran emphatically declares the equality of men and women. 
Surely men who submit themselves to God and women who submit themselves to him, God has prepared for all of them forgiveness and a great reward. You may notice that has nothing to do with actual equality between men and women. That's just God will, will give you a reward if you do what he says, but what he tells you to do is slightly different for men and for women. And if, for example, you obey the prophet and you treat your wife in certain ways, then you will benefit from that as a man. And if you submit yourself to your husband, then you will benefit from that as a woman. But this is all part and parcel of the political correctness that Carson was talking about earlier. The political correctness that is not going to redound to the benefit of Republicans or Democrats. And this is why I'm so happy to see Ben Carson doing so well. And speaking of political correctness, speaking of, of the sort of infiltration of political correctness, I do think it will be interesting to see whether Donald Trump and Ben Carson stay on top of the pack. Because clearly, if you were going to rank the Republican candidates in terms of level of political correctness, Trump and Carson are at the top in terms of not politically correct. And then you start to get into the more politically correct arena. I've been saying for a while here on The Ben Shapiro Show that Marco Rubio is likely to be the Republican nominee, mainly because you ask Tea Partiers about Marco Rubio, and they kind of shrug and go, okay, he sounds all right. And if you ask people in the establishment about Marco Rubio, they look at you and they say, yeah, Marco Rubio, that guy's young and he's good looking and he'll be great. Marco Rubio does have a penchant for political correctness that is troubling. Marco Rubio in the past few weeks, he's, there's been a clip that's floating around of him talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, which he gives them significantly more credibility than they actually deserve. And it is sort of problematic that Republicans are ignoring the lessons of Carson and the lessons of Trump. The fact is, most people in the United States are sick to death of political correctness. Most people in the United States understand Political correctness doesn't just annoy us, it actually gets people killed. Most people in the United States understand that political correctness, whether we're talking political correctness with regard to race, or political correctness with regard to guns, or whether we're talking political correctness with regard to religion, political correctness gets people killed. And Trump will say this, and so will Carson. I'm afraid Rubio won't, and as long as we buy into the baseline of political correctness that the left continues to represent, it's going to be very difficult for Republicans to win. Because you can't win using the language of the other side. You can't win telling the American people that the other side is speaking rationally and reasonably. To go back to something I was saying earlier in the program, when it comes to President Obama calling Republicans names, saying they're bad people, saying they're morally deficient, the reason he can get away with that is because he's speaking a different language than most Republicans speak. So you can say their language is evil. He actually hijacks Republican language. He hijacks Republican language in order to make his point. Republicans speak in the language of good and evil. Democrats theoretically don't, except when they're talking about Republicans. And then Republicans idiotically hijack the language of Democrats when it, when it comes to talking about their opposition. So Republicans who actually will speak, like Mike Huckabee, about sin and evil, as soon as they start talking about Democrats, all of that goes out the window. And now they're talking about incompetence and inability to, to administrate correctly. And this is why Republicans continue to lose. Which is too bad, obviously, because it's, it's bad for the country all around. Now, speaking about inability to distinguish evil, I do have to speak briefly about what is a continuing intifada that's, that's now breaking out in, in Israel. There have been a vast spate of stabbings in Israel, shootings in Israel, in Jerusalem by Palestinians. The backdrop to this is that Mahmoud Abbas, the beloved moderate leader of the Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Abbas wrote his college thesis on Holocaust denial and Mahmoud Abbas is a terrorist. I mean, he, he worked with terrorists. He is a terrorist. The Palestinian Authority is a terrorist entity. Mahmoud Abbas went to the UN, and he said that the Oslo Accords were over. 
the treaty was over, which effectively means that the Palestinian Authority is in a state of war with Israel, Hamas, which occupies the Gaza Strip, they too are in a continuous state of war with Israel, and so the war continues apace. Uh, over the last week or so, there have been a number of attacks on Jews, including one back on last Thursday, in which a, a couple that my sister actually knew, a couple were murdered in front of their four children, who, four of their children, they actually had six kids, four of their kids were in the backseat of the car and they were shot to death in the front of the car. The father managed to stagger out of the car and tell the kids to run. But in any case, President Obama released a statement about this spate of Jew killing via his State Department, and here is what President Obama's anti-Semitic administration said. It said, quote, the United States strongly condemns all acts of violence, including the tragic stabbing in the old city today that left two victims dead and two injured. We call for all perpetrators of violence to be swiftly brought to justice, and then it continued. We are very concerned about mounting tensions in the West Bank and Jerusalem, including the Haram al-Sharif Temple Mount, and call on all sides to take affirmative steps to restore calm and avoid escalating the situation. So a bunch of Jews get stabbed by a bunch of terrorist Palestinians celebrated by the terrorist Palestinian Authority and the terrorist Hamas, and the President of the United States, who last week it came out, refused, refused to tell his own Democrats that he would veto a Palestinian declaration of statehood at the UN. That President of the United States blamed both sides, because this is what the Obama administration does. Now, a year ago, a year and a half ago, during the Gaza War, I specifically said on Fox News, on live television, that this is a Jew-hating administration. I called it a borderline Jew-hating administration. I was soft-pedaling it. This is a Jew-hating administration, and the proof is in the pudding. The State Department's own standards of what constitutes anti-Semitism, their own standard of what constitutes anti-Semitism includes the idea that if you treat Israel with a double standard, if you treat Israel with a standard you would apply to no one else on earth, that's anti-Semitic. The Obama administration does that every single day. No nation should be forced to tolerate this sort of behavior. Nonetheless, President Obama calls on Israel to do so. This is why, whenever we hear the language of good and evil applied by President Obama to gun owners, law-abiding gun owners, it sickens you to your stomach. This is why the President of the United States, who backs abortion at every turn, who undermines Israel, who lets Vladimir Putin run roughshod through the Middle East, who lets Vladimir Putin oppress, who lets the Chinese run roughshod through the South China Sea, hearing that President of the United States label us the bad guys, it should grate on you. And it should grate on you that not enough Republican politicians are willing to speak up and call evil by its name. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 